John chapter 14. John chapter 14, I'd like us to read together verse 1, 2, and 3. John chapter 14, verse 1, 2, and 3, very familiar part of the Bible. Uh, let's start reading together, reading out loud in verse number 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let's pray. Father, again, we're grateful for each one that's here. There's no mistake. You, by your providence, you have brought all of us together. And Lord, we're looking at a very familiar subject this morning. We pray for some, maybe, that uh, we'll listen to this later on. Lord, maybe it's not familiar to them, but help us direct my words. Please fill me with your spirit. May we rejoice in this truth we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I know that we have been preaching through the life of Moses, and we will return to that. But uh, in hopes and prayers of having uh, new folks come, I began to pray, Lord, what would be suitable for somebody that's never been in church? For someone that has never attended a house of God, certainly not a Bible-believing church. And uh, God brought me to this passage. It's a very uh, familiar passage, but it's a subject that is near and dear to every Christian's heart. You say, Pastor, what's the subject? It's heaven. It's heaven. Do you know that uh, how many songs in our hymn book talk about this place called heaven? How many verses throughout our Bible speak of this place called heaven? Uh, whether we're taken to heaven by way of the rapture or whether we're taken to heaven uh, by way of death's door. Folks, if you're saved, you are anticipating this place called heaven. One of the very last prayers in our Bible in Revelation 22 is, even so come, Lord Jesus. That was a prayer. John prayed that. John had just been allowed to get a glimpse of what's going to happen in the future and all the heartache and all the trouble that will happen in the seven-year tribulation, we won't be here. We'll be taken out before that tribulation begins. But after John saw all of the heartache and the trouble that is still ahead, John's prayer was, even so come, Lord Jesus. I think you'd agree with me that this world has faced some very traumatic things these last few years. It probably escalated three giant steps when COVID was first mentioned. And uh, lives were taken. And uh, homes were turned upside down. And although that whole COVID scare seems to have been put on the back shelf, I would say to you that there are still troubles and trials that we never faced before. And I have heard preachers that I've talked to on the phone who've said this, who never said it to me before these last few years. They've said, I just wish the Lord had come back today. Well, folks, if you're saved, you've always wished the Lord had come back. There seems to be an urgency of people wanting the Lord to come back, and today would be perfectly fine. 
So again, our subject uh, this morning is on heaven. Uh, may we never tire of hearing preaching about heaven. After all, if you're saved, uh, that'll be your home for all of eternity. Uh, may we never tire of listening to music about heaven. After all, for all of eternity, that will be what we're singing about. Uh, may we never tire of wanting to know more about heaven. You say, preacher, why? Think about this, because heaven will be the last address that you and I will ever have. You say, oh, no, preacher, I'm at the last address. No, you're not. Hate to break your heart. You got one more. Uh, many, many years ago, I saw a picture of a woman, and the commentary under the picture was, this woman was so excited. She had just bought a new home. I guess her and her husband had just bought a new home. They loved their home. They adored their home. They rejoiced over the, this home. And this woman was so ecstatic about having the home of her dreams that uh, she went to a tattoo parlor. And I'm, I, I don't remember the number, but it, the, her street address was something like 4625, whatever. And she went to a tattoo parlor, and on the back of her calves, she had 4625. <laughs> and she was so proud of that, she went to a news agency so that they could take a picture of these tattoos on the back of her calves. Uh, forgive me, but I laughed hysterically. And you say, well, preacher, why? She won't be there forever. Likely in her lifetime, she'll move to another place and another place if she lives long enough to an old folks' home place. And if she's saved, she'll go to one more place called heaven. If she's not saved, she'll miss heaven and go to a horrible place called hell. I'm saying to you, she thought I'm going to be at this place forever. She was mistaken. There's one more place. You know that, uh, ladies, I know it's wearisome to move. Uh, our family, by the time I was in grade eight, had moved to nine different homes by the time I was in grade eight. It was a very strange thing to live in the same home for my entire high school years. And so I understand for ladies to move, that's an overwhelming thought. And maybe some of you ladies have looked at your husbands and said, this is the last house we're in. I am not moving again. You can move. I'm staying put. And ladies, if you have said that at some time by the smiles on some faces, you have said that. May I break your heart? You are not in the last place. There is still one more address that you're moving to. Once you get to that place, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, then you can say this is the last place. You know, Ryder does not have any businesses up in heaven. U-Haul does not have any, uh, any uh, businesses up there. I'm saying that we're looking at this place called heaven. Now look again, John 14 and verse number 1. John chapter 14 and verse number 1 the Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. It were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That word place is referring to heaven. 
And so my title this morning, because heaven is called a place, my title this morning for you to take notes is what kind of a place is heaven? What kind of a place is heaven? To be sure, Jesus believed in that place called heaven. And uh, if you're a Christian, you believe it. You believe in heaven, or at least you believe in the doctrine of heaven. Say, Pastor, what's that supposed to mean? You know, as Christians, a lot of truths we have here, but they're not, they're not real. They're, they, we don't really believe them, maybe like we should. If you're not a Christian, then my desire with the Word of God this morning is to convince you of the wonder of this place. Preacher, I believe in heaven. That's here. But you believe it here. I heard this uh, story told, believe it's a true story, about this uh, family. They were Christians. They were all Christians. Uh, they loved the Lord, and they were faithful to the house of God. And uh, that family went through a very trying time. They came down with a disease called diphtheria. And although diphtheria is still a disease, it, it normally, at best, would take 10% of people home. 90% of people will live through diphtheria and be fine. But in this particular Christian home, there were three children that passed away within a few short weeks from diphtheria. And uh, a week or two after their third child died, that father stood up in their church and read of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It was Easter time. And he gave some comments about how that whole record of the resurrection of Christ gave he as the father and his wife as the mother, gave them great comfort though they had just lost three children. He said because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we that have placed our faith in Lord Jesus Christ, we don't look at death as the end. We know that we're going to that wonderful place called heaven. And what was so amazing as he gave those words at the, th the funeral of three of his children, people were in awe that he wasn't broken up. People were broken up. People were in tears about the fact that they had just lost three children. But he seemed to have amazing composure as he talked about heaven in the presence of the remains of three of his children. In fact, as people left that funeral service that day, they almost talked more about this father and his peace, about the reality of heaven, than they talked about the children that have been lost themselves. And so on the way through the parking lot, people make comments about their admiration for this man and, and his, his confidence in heaven. One little boy said to someone else, I guess he really believes in heaven. And so, as Christians, we do, yeah, but do you really believe it? And so, again, this morning we're going to remind ourselves about some great things about heaven. Again, my title is What Kind of a Place is Heaven? Let's look at the very first thing. Look there again at John 14, beginning in verse number one. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in, sorry, uh, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. 
You know, there's probably some Bible critics that will tell you that there is not a real place called heaven. I know that when we pass up gospel tracts, when we witness to people, when we ask them, do you know for sure if you died today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? There are many people now that balk at the idea of heaven. They would tell you, I don't believe that heaven is a real place. They would say to you that Jesus was speaking figuratively. They would say to you that Jesus was speaking hopefully. They would probably tell you that any talk about a place called heaven is really a fairy tale that's been passed down. It's not real, they'll say. It's kind of like Santa's workshop. I hope I don't destroy anyone here. Santa's workshop right there at the North Pole. That's not real. (laughs) No, that's not real. There's a lot of places that people talk about that aren't real. I remember uh, as I grew up, I heard about places like Timbuktu. Uh, That can't be real. I heard of a place called Kalamazoo. Oh, that can't be. I heard a place called Transylvania. I thought, well, it's Dracula's, and they're not true. That's not true either. I heard of a place called Tasmania. Apparently, there's a devil in Tasmania. I heard of a place called the Bay of Pigs, and a place called Boo, and a place called Christmas Island, and a place actually called Cuckoo. And I thought, none of those places are true. All those places are make-believe. Do you know all those places are true? And then as I grew a little bit older, I heard of a place called Emerald City. (laughs) Well, no, that's got to be true. And a city of Atlantis and the Fountain of Youth. I look forward one day to going to a place like that only to find out they're not true. Do you know that there's a lot of people that think that heaven is not real? If you're taking notes, we're we're looking at this subject of what kind of a place is heaven. First of all, heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place. Do you know, in our Bible, it's, uh, the word heaven shows up 739 times. 400 uh, in the Old Testament, almost 300 in the New. The Bible through and through talks about heaven. It's not just make-believe. Abraham, he said this, Genesis 24, 7, The Lord God of heaven, Abraham believed in heaven. Moses said, the Lord, he is God in heaven above. Moses believed in heaven. King Solomon said, the Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above. Solomon believed in heaven. Cyrus, a lost king of Persia, he said, the Lord God of heaven. Nehemiah wrote, so I prayed to the God of heaven. David, Psalm 14, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men. Daniel publicly declared in the palace of Babylon, there is a God in heaven. And Jesus, Matthew 5, 34, said, Swear not at all, neither by heaven. Jesus believed in heaven. And so when someone says to you, you know what? Heaven is just a crutch that some people, some weak-minded people use to mentally get them through the difficult times of their life, I want you to know that heaven is not something that was made up to con people. Heaven, first of all, is a real place. I know that at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, the Bible says that he uh, ascended up in the clouds. 
And Mark 16, 9 says he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Jesus returned to heaven. So the very first thing about this idea, what kind of a place is heaven? First of all, heaven is a real place. You say, oh, pastor, of course, we know that. There's a lot of people that don't know that. You know, many of us were raised in church with a Christian influence all of our life. And you know what? We have heard about heaven all of our life. But we are meeting a generation now in this world. They haven't heard about heaven. When you talk to them about heaven, they kind of just, like Santa's workshop. I'm saying, first of all, heaven is a real place. Now, keep your hand in John. We're going to need it all morning. But look at the second last chapter of the Bible there in Revelation chapter 21. My purpose this morning is take us to a number of places to learn about this place called heaven. Revelation chapter 21. This is the second last chapter of the Bible. And uh, the Apostle John watched something amazing. The Lord allowed him to see this. Revelation chapter 21. Look there in verse number 1. The Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now look at verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Now, I know that some would understand, but in eternity, there is still this place called heaven. And as John is allowed to look at what's going to happen in eternity, John sees a city that literally descends from heaven. We know that that city is called New Jerusalem. So this city of New Jerusalem is descending from heaven. As it's descending, continue looking there in Revelation 21 and uh, verse number 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and their God. And as you continue reading there in chapter number 21, John is told to go measure this city. And so John, sure enough, does what he's told, and he has this measuring stick, and, and uh, he measures the city, and it is 1,200 furlongs this way, and 1,200 furlongs this way. 1,200 furlongs is 1,500 miles. So this city that's descending down from heaven is 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. Listen, folks, you don't measure something that you dream about. You, you, you don't get details and facts about a vision. I'm saying, first of all, heaven is a real place. Now, why is that significant? Uh, this city that's 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles, um, again, that has come out of heaven. It's huge. I say heaven is a real place. Uh, heaven's not only a real place, but it's a place that's better. You ever talk to somebody... And they just came back from a vacation. They have been to a place that you've never been. 
And so they describe where they've been, and you try in your head to compare it to something you know, and you say, well, is it kind of like the Rocky Mountains? And they say, no, no, it's, it's better. You say, well, is, is it like the beaches of Hawaii? No, this is way better. And they say, well, is it like the Niagara Falls? Oh, no, it's way better. Well, is it like the Grand Canyon? Oh, no, this is far better. Do you know what heaven is? Heaven is far better than anything that we have ever seen. And that's why Paul wrote this in Philippians 1.23. Paul said, I'm in a strait betwixt two. He said, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Folks, whatever the best event that you've ever enjoyed in this life, heaven's better. Whatever the best place that you've ever been in this life, heaven is better. First of all, we're, we're trying to look at what kind of a place is heaven. And the very first thing is heaven is a real place. It's not made up. It's real. I'll give you a second thing back there to John 14. Hopefully you still have that John chapter 14. And look there again in verse number 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Notice when Jesus is trying to describe heaven so that you and I will understand it. He says, heaven has many mansions. That word mansion, that immediately we picture something when we hear of that word mansion. When we hear about mansion, maybe, maybe what you think about is a huge homestead. Maybe when you hear that word mansion, you think of a palace, an, an immaculate palace. Maybe when you hear that word mansion, you think of a castle. When Jesus described heaven, he wasn't describing it as a little one-room shack off in, off in the woods somewhere. He wasn't describing just some little lean-to under an overpass. You know the second thing about heaven? Not only is heaven a real place, could I say heaven is a roomy place? <laughs> There's lots of room. You ever tried to find a motel at night? Jesus did. Well, Joseph and Mary did. Remember, they tried to find a place for lodging, and they went to the inn. And that innkeeper said, no room. Do you know, if you're saved, when you get to heaven, you'll never see that posted. No room. It's a roomy place. It's a huge place. Remember, it, it doesn't say in verse 2 that heaven is like a mansion. Now let's look close so you don't think I'm a heretic. Uh, John 14, 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. So it, it's not that heaven is a mansion. In heaven there are many mansions. I say secondly, heaven is a roomy place. If, if this New Jerusalem, 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles, if that New Jerusalem comes out of heaven, I think it's safe to say heaven's bigger. You can't take something out of something else unless the something has been taken out of something bigger. That's, that's logic. You say, well, what exactly is 1,500 miles by 
1,500 miles by 1,500. Preacher, I, I can't really fathom that. Someone has put some locations for we in North America to understand. Most of us would know where Montreal is. If you went 1,500 miles south of that, you would get to Miami, Florida. If you went straight across from Miami, Florida, 1,500 miles, you'd get to Texas. And if you went 1,500 miles north of that, you would get somewhere in British Columbia and then over to Montreal. That's 1,500 miles just one way. But we have it the other way, we have it the third way. Somebody tried to make some sense out of that, and they said, if this earth was 100,000 years old, now folks, it's not. People have been on this earth for 6,000 years, but if this earth and the population of this earth have been around for 100,000 years, by the normal reproduction of people after a hundred thousand years of population that would be on this earth, they estimated that there would have been 300 trillion people. Now, those numbers are outside, outside of our understanding. If there were 300 trillion people, you know, if that was put into New Jerusalem, everybody would still have a mansion 50 feet wide, 50 feet deep, 50 feet high. But folks, we haven't been around 100,000 years, 6,000 at the most. Not everybody in that time was a believer, so they're not going to heaven. And not everybody will be spending eternity in New Jerusalem. What are you saying? It's a room in place. Lots of room. You ever been to a motel and you paid more and got less? <laughs> I've been to some of those. Boy, it looked so good on Priceline. Got into that and found out they had tucked this room in behind the elevator shaft. You could almost hear people go up and down all night long. And I thought, well, we paid more for less. remember one time saying to the front checkout lady, she said, how'd you like your room? I said, well, honestly, it wasn't advertised properly. What do you mean? I said, well, we were supposed to have something like 400 square feet. And I said, my wife and I got all four feet in that room, but oh, well, that was false advertising. You know, nothing is falsely advertised about heaven. I've also been to some hotel rooms where I got a, we got a deal for just a little. We got a huge room. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Heaven is a real place. And heaven is a roomy place. What a blessing that that's true. Uh, it, it keep your hand on John again. Look there in Revelation, Revelation chapter number uh, 7. Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, just to give us another idea of how big heaven will be. Revelation chapter 7. Uh, look there in verse number 9. Revelation 7 verse 9. John sees this in the future going on in heaven. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne, so this is heaven, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, 
and cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God. You know, when John got a glimpse of heaven, John said there were so many people up there that you couldn't even number them. Hold on a minute. He didn't say, I couldn't number them. He said there in verse number 9, he said that no man could number them. I'm just trying to help you to see how big this place called heaven is. He said there were so many people that no man could number them. Well, how big is that? How big does something have to be before you can't even number it anymore? Back up two chapters to Revelation chapter 5. Just two chapters earlier, there was another large event. And look at the kind of numbers that were used to count who was there. So this at least somebody can number. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11 says, And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. If you know your math, 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million. John could number up to 100 million. But he said, you know what? I saw something in heaven no man could number. I'm saying, first of all, heaven's a real place. Secondly, heaven is a roomy place. Let me give you a third thing. Uh, look over there, you can let go of at least Revelation. Uh, look there in Luke chapter 15. Wouldn't it be great to go to a real place that's a roomy place? But there's more. Luke chapter 15, look there in verse 7. Luke 15, verse 7. I say unto you, Jesus speaking, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Uh, maybe you've seen pictures of a place called heaven and everybody is sitting solemnly on their cloud, somber face, <laughs> no joy. That's not heaven. God give you a third if you're taking notes. Heaven is a rejoicing place. Look again at Luke 15, 7. And I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. That means every time on this earth when a lost person humbles their heart and trusts Christ as their Savior, there is joy in heaven. I mean, there is high-fiving and hooping and whistling and whatever you consider joy, that's what's in heaven. I say third, uh, uh, heaven is a rejoicing place. Uh, I, I won't have you turn to it again, but Revelation 19, verse 7. The Bible says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. There is a going to be a wedding in heaven. It's a wedding between Jesus Christ and the church. All those true believers from this church age, there is going to be a wedding that takes place. And it says there in Luke, uh, Revelation 19, 7, let us be glad and rejoice. I say a third thing. Heaven is a rejoicing place. Don't you like to go to places like that? Where they're just having a time. Where they're, they're, they're just having a fit. Where they're just having some excitement. 
Pastor, why is heaven such a rejoicing place? First of all, the Bible says God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There's no tears. God described heaven with several no mores, no more sea. God said no more sorrow. God said heaven is no more crying and no more pain and no more curse and no more night and no more death. No wonder people are rejoicing. There's no more heartache. It's all gone. No more tears. They're all wiped away. Isn't it true that the older we get, that we have more and more heartache and tears and crying and sorrow and pain, more loved ones pass away. Boy, the longer that we live on this earth, the more that comes. As we have watched little children in this church, and the only thing they're worried about is their sippy cup and getting the ball. They don't have a worry in the world. We watch as they become teenagers and as, they, as so many of them get married. And they start to have children and their children break their heart. And ill health knocks on their door. I'm saying the older you get, I'll tell you that the, the, the deals of this world seem to take away our joy. Not heaven. Heaven's a rejoicing place. Thank God for that. How many of our songs have that truth? Think about this. What a day that will be. There is coming a day when no heartaches shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace. Heaven is a rejoicing place. What about that hymn? No disappointments in heaven. There's no disappointment. No disappointment in heaven no weariness, no sorrow, no pain, no hearts that are bleeding and broken, no song with a minor refrain. If you knew what was in the hearts of some people even here, some people here are broken hearted. There is no light at the end of the tunnel that they can see. Folks, that's not going to be your case in heaven. It's a rejoicing place. I think of that. We sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Very last verse, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise. It's a rejoicing place than when we first begun. For all of eternity, we'll be rejoicing over the Savior who died to pay for our sins. We'll be rejoicing over that. We'll be rejoicing about a soul winner that took time to come and tell us about Jesus Christ. And we'll be rejoicing about the host of Christians who have invested their lives so that we could grow in this Christian life. I see the third thing that we learn about heaven. What kind of a place is heaven? It's a rejoicing place. It's a real place. And it's a roomy place. It's a rejoicing place. Can I give you a fourth thing? If you're there still in John 14, look there in John chapter 14, verse 3. John chapter 14 and verse 3, Jesus says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, 
that where I am there ye may be also. Could I give you a fourth thing? Heaven is a reuniting place. You had some friends and God's taken them home. You said, Preacher, I, I, I miss my dad. I, uh, Pastor, I miss my mom. Not a day passes where I, I don't think about my mom, my, my brothers, my sisters, my children, my grandchildren. You know, the fourth blessing about heaven, it's a reuniting place. Maybe there is some Christian. You traveled somewhere on a vacation, and, and boy, you met them, and there was such sweet fellowship, and you've never seen them again. Boy, you're going to get to see them again. Yeah, Jesus said there, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. We're going to be reunited, I guess for the first time, united with Jesus Christ. Aren't you able to see him? I don't know if it's true, but if we had, we're going to be able to touch him. Why do you want to touch him? Maybe touch those nail prints still in his hands. I'm saying we're going to be united with Jesus Christ. This one that we preachers have preached about all these years, we're going to get to see him. The one that so many that sing specials have sung about, they're going to get to see him. And every Christian who talks to the Lord but has never seen him, they're going to get to see him there. What a blessing. Not only are we united, reunited with Jesus Christ. Keep John, but look there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, it's, it's later on after John. 1 Thessalonians, I'm saying heaven is a reuniting place. It's a, a place where we will be united with Jesus Christ. But not just Jesus Christ. Look there in Revelation, or sorry, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16. Let's talk about the rapture. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Again, we're reminded in verse 17 that when we get to heaven, we're going to be with the Lord. But tucked right into the middle of verse 17, we are going to be get together with them Pastor, who's the them? It, it, it's loved ones that have been important in our life, but now they're gone. I know that there's some that you had a family member that was, that was your rock of Gibraltar. And when trouble came, you could either sit down face to face, you prayed together, you wept together, you smiled together, and now they're gone. You're going to be reunited in heaven one day with them. Maybe it's a child that God took home. Maybe it was a, maybe we're talking about a mother who, that baby in the womb never made full term. I'm saying to you when we get to heaven, we'll be reunited with Jesus Christ and reunited with loved ones that have been so precious but you know, Matthew chapter 17, we won't turn to it. 
But in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And up on that mount, they, they saw Jesus transfigured before that. He was changed. And then they saw Moses and Elijah on that mountain too. And in some way, Peter, James, and John recognized that's Moses and recognized that's Elijah. And I think, folks, when we get to heaven, we will get to see face to face people in the Bible that we have read about, people in church history that we've read about. What a reunion. Maybe, maybe you've gone to family reunions and you hid behind the flowers because you didn't want to be face to face with that guy. Say, Pastor, that guy's incredible. I don't want to see him ever again. That won't happen in heaven. It's a reuniting place. Could I give you the next thing here, if you would? Uh, look there in uh, Revelation 14. Revelation chapter 14. Uh, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you'll likely uh, you'll re be reunited with other Christians. Revelation 14. If you've traveled and met some Christian one time, never saw them again, you'll be reunited with them again. If you, as so many of us, support missionaries around the world and say, Preacher, I've never met that missionary. In heaven, you'll get to meet them. I say the truth is, the older that we get, we realize that we have more friends in heaven than we have left down here. It's a reunited place. I, Revelation 14, look there in verse 13. Revelation 14, verse 13. The Bible says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the spirits, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Could I say the next thing about heaven? Heaven is a resting place. Folks, when you get to heaven, you get to rest. Not a lot of rest inside of heaven. Just a lot of work. Just a lot of labor. There's a lot of secular labor. There's a lot of spiritual labor. And uh, yet, you know, when we finally pass on to that place called heaven, it says that it's a place of rest. Um, I remember when I was in Bible college. And in Bible college, we had institute and worked a job. And Saturday all day, we were out knocking on doors, inviting folks to church. Sunday, we all had, or several of us had bus routes, so, you know, I'd be there at the church by 7 in the morning, and the bus would head out Sunday morning at 7 and, and pick up all of our riders and get to church just before 10 o'clock and have two, two and a half hours of church and load all those people back in that Sunday school bus and take them all home and wouldn't get back to church till about 3 o'clock, raced home to have a 15-minute nap back to church uh, for a bus meeting at 5.30, service at 6, didn't get home till 11. Sunday was, I mean, your tongue hung out. And I remember one time going to my pastor there, Brother Lackey, I said, Preacher, we're not very scriptural around here. <laughs> he'd always do this. He'd pull his glasses down. He'd say, now, Robert, what are you talking about? And I said, Preacher, doesn't the Bible said that one day in seven should be the Lord's day and should be a day of rest? And I said, we're not getting much rest on the Sabbath day, Pastor. 
And he said, well, first of all, son, the Sabbath is Saturday. Sunday is different than Saturday. I said, we're not getting much rest on Saturday either. You know what he said? Earth is the time to work. Earth is the time to labor. Heaven is the place to rest. He said, preacher, I just, pastor, I'm just so weary. Boy, the work is endless. The burdens get heavier. And it seems that I have less help to get accomplished what I need to get done. I know. In heaven we'll rest. In heaven we'll rest. I say the fifth thing about heaven is heaven is a resting place. This side of heaven we have very little rest. You'd think with all the new gadgets and time-saving equipment that we'd have more rest, but we have less. And look there again, Revelation 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, John is writing this, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Lord, that they may rest from their labors. And so you are going to set down whatever it is you use in your work. You're going to set that down. And you're going to rest for all of eternity. This side of heaven, Christianity is not like sitting in a rocking chair. <laughs> It's like uh, moving on a treadmill. Never stops, never stops, never stops. And uh, yet, it's only when we get to heaven that we'll cease from those labors. Our ministry for God is properly called labor. I mean, uh, some of our ladies recently have delivered a child. Do you know, in those hours or minutes of delivering that child, it's called labor. And it's hard. And it's strenuous. And you long for it to be done. Just like that, this Christian life is called labor. And it's hard. And it's difficult. And you want it to be done. One day it will be. It will be in that place called heaven. You know, our ministry for God is a labor. One day there will be a place of rest. I, 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 most of you know, I, I used to work for Perry F. Rockwood. People's Gospel Hour, B3J3A1. It's been burned in my brain. He had a daily radio broadcast. And then he would have a weekly radio broadcast. And there was a song that he played on his radio broadcast as his theme song, Oh, That Will Be Glory. Do you know one of the lines of that, When all my labors and trials are o'er? That's heaven. All the labor's done. All the trials are done. When all my labors and trials are o'er, are o'er, and I'm safe on that beautiful shore, just to be near the dear Lord I adore will through the ages be glory for me. I give you a sixth thing. Look there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Say, preacher, you make heaven sound so wonderful. It is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we found heaven is a real place, and heaven is a roomy place, heaven is a rejoicing place, heaven is a reuniting place, heaven is a resting place, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. Paul writes, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You know, the sixth thing, heaven is a rewarding place. Heaven is a rewarding place. 
all the labor, say, preacher, I'm, I'm not convinced it's worth it. Pastor, all the trouble, preacher, I, I'm just not sure it's worth it. Pastor, all the heartache, uh, standing for the Lord and, and being pushed against by people at work and people at home and even people in my own family. Pastor, I just, one day, there will be a reward for all that. And that's in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 again Paul wrote, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. One day we'll be rewarded for all the effort, all the trouble, all the trial. Pastor, sometimes, there in 1 Corinthians 4, I speak 1 Corinthians 4. Sometimes we just think, oh, I, I, why don't I just give up? No, 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 don't give up. Don't give up. Keep at it. When I met my wife for the first time, she wasn't my wife. <laughs> Her dad had this famous line, keep on keeping on. The first time I heard that, I thought, now what sense is that? Keep on keeping on. You know, it's good sense. Whatever God's put in your lap, just keep doing the right thing. Pastor, give me one reason why. Because of heaven. Heaven will be a rewarding place. You're in 1 Corinthians 4. There in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Paul says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will manifest the counsels of the heart. You know what? Some things we don't understand. We're in complete darkness about what's going on. In heaven, God will manifest all of those things that were in darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. But I want you to look at the very last part of verse 5. Folks, this is phenomenal. It says, And then shall every man have praise of God. You know, we read that sometimes and we think it says, and every man shall have praise for God. It doesn't say every man will have praise for God. It says every man will have praise of God. We know that there are some places in the Bible, Luke 19, Matthew, escape me, 22. Where the Lord says to some, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Folks, that'll be more important than anything. Good job. You know, as parents, our children need to hear those words from our lips. Good job. I'm so proud of you. God bless you. One day the Lord will say that. Good job. Heaven's a rewarding place. I give you the last thing. Look there, if you would, to close. Look in, uh, look in John 14, where we started. Pastor, what kind of place is heaven? Well, it's a real place. It's a roomy place. It's a rejoicing place. It's a reuniting place. It's a resting place. It's a rewarding place. Well, look there in John 14, 
Begin in verse number 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Preacher, make this place called heaven such a wonderful place. Is everyone going there? And the answer is no. Last thing, heaven is a reserved place. Everybody's not going to heaven. Uh, we sing the song. It's a really nice song in the hymn book. And I hope we keep singing it. No offense. But when we all get to heaven, <laughs> we all aren't going to heaven. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're going. If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, you're not going. Everybody isn't going to heaven. Heaven is the only for those that have a reservation that's theirs. And here Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Jesus was pointing out some people that had placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was just shortly after that our Lord was, after saying that, that our Lord was arrested. And he was taken there to that hill called Calvary. And he was nailed to the cross. And our Lord had said, uh, I am the way. The truth and life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. It might be true that there are many roads that lead to Rome, but there's only one road that leads to heaven. And that road is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture Shortly after Jesus made those statements, he went to the cross of Calvary and he died on that cross to pay for our sins. But you have to receive that. Preacher, heaven sounds great. It is. But heaven is a reserved place. Peter said, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that verse tells us that Jesus is the only way. He has a place reserved for you if you've trusted him as your Savior. And the truth is, we've given seven things about heaven. We have just touched the hem of the garment to what heaven must be like. Read about this Christian grandfather. Late one evening, he was visiting his grandchildren and his oldest granddaughter, still a teen, Christian granddaughter. Christian grandfather takes the Christian granddaughter and says, it's, it's lady, let's go for a walk. And they, they go walking down the country road. And that grandfather looks up in the sky and he said, now honey, he said, I don't know what you know about all these stars, but he starts naming all these stars. Starts naming all these constellations and that's the Big Dipper and that's the Little Dipper and you know, that's it. And he starts naming them all. And, and uh, his granddaughter begins to ask questions. And she said, what's beyond that? And he said, oh, he said, it's heaven. You know, that little girl looked up there and she said, if it's that beautiful, this side of heaven, what must heaven 
really be like. Folks, we're going to heaven. And I know that there are some that you are carrying a weight like you've never carried before. Your heart breaks because you feel like you're just all alone and there's no one there. Jesus is there. But heaven awaits God's people who have trusted him as their Savior. Never lose sight of heaven because the little bit of heaven that we do understand is just the tip of the garment to all that heaven is like.